Well, how do you follow that, huh? You follow that with a business meeting. How about that, huh? That'll kill us all. No. Hey, good morning and welcome. Thank you for being part of Mariners today. My name is uh, Paul. I am one of the pastors. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, I'd love to say hey to you after the service. Thank you for coming and being part um, of, of, of today. Church is a lot of things. I mean, it's, it's, it's us gathering together. It's us worshiping God. Um, it's kind of what's going on here, the connections and the growth. It is called in the Bible a family, a body. It is called a gathering, Christ's body. We're, we're learning to become more like Jesus. That's what we're, we come to do and, and worship and praise. It's a living thing. And those are all cool terms. They're all part of that. However, there is an aspect of the church that has to kind of organize and pull together and make decisions and, and think through things like budgets and leadership and you know signing corporate papers and, and those kinds. It's just simply part of what we have to do. Our government has said so, and we want to respect our government, and so we have those kinds of things. And one of the things they said is we really need to have times when we gather together and approve budgets and approve leadership. And that's what we're going to do for the next just a couple minutes um, here. Um, every year we, we say we as a church, um, we agree upon this is the direction we're going, this is what we're going to be doing, this is the money we're going to be spending, and these are the people that we are going to be asking to help lead us. Um, on the chair that, that you came in, there was a little thing like this. This is our, our official ballot right, right here, um, this. And, and what we have is I just kind of want to walk you through it briefly. We, we have actually a, a steering team. Um, steering team is, is, was, uh, is our leadership team, and these are great people. I mean, I love them all. They are terrific. And, and they're the people who help give direction and support to the pastors and to the people um, on staff here. And, and they're on for three-year terms, um, and, and then they can rotate off or, or stay on if they would like. And this year, we actually have uh, four nominees that are going to be uh, coming on. Um, there's going to be Ray Avila. Uh, there is Karen John madsen um, um, Maribel Tamez and Colton Walter. They are part of our church family. They love Christ. They love the church. And, and I'm, I'm really excited about having them um, come on. And their names are, are on the budget right here, are on the ballot right here. And, and if you feel like God is leading us, again, we've talked to them, we've met with them, we feel really comfortable with, with who they are and what they do. Um, some of them are in the service right now, um, um, so you'll notice a picture and put a face to it. Um, if you feel that God is leading us to, to move forward with these people, um, if you just simply go ahead and mark the ballot right now, if you do that, uh, if you would. Also, we have to uh, approve a budget. Now, a budget for a church is really our best guess, uh, honestly. It's where we will spend um, um, as minister, our ministry and as God's funds come in. And we, as a church family, we're independent. We don't receive money from anywhere outside. There's no outside entity that gives us money or anything like that. Everything we raise um, comes from your gifts of love and your sacrificial gifts, and you're saying, I want to be, see God work through me in this way. Um, this year, I think our, our budget will be $1.1 million. So, you know, take a breath on that one. Um, when I came, I think it was about $12,000 a year. So now it's, 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 it's gone up. Um, quite a bit, and praise God for what we can do and what we're doing um, now on that one. Um, 10% of that does go to help people in the community and help other ministries as well. We tithe the money you give us. We tithe that out, um, and, and, I, and I love that. And so if, uh, if you feel comfortable that that is uh, the, where we should go with this one by faith, 
go ahead and, and mark your ballot on that regard for this. And we do need to know who our official members are not, and if you would, uh, go ahead and mark whether you are or not. Just fold these in half, if you would, um, and, and we're going to then um, put these in the offering bucket when they come by at the end of the service, so just hang on to them um, for a while. And if you have any nasty notes or anything, don't write them on this, okay? It you know, doesn't work very well. So let's pray, okay? Lord, thank you for now these moments, this time we have. And, and Father, um, your church family is here, and we want to hear from you and grow in you. And so um, bless the words I share and open our hearts. And praise your name, Jesus, to this. And, and we ask, amen. <laughs> Well, today is uh, Super Bowl Sunday, you know, ta-da, big, the, 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 the really big thing. Um, and the good thing about that is, is in a church, when we talk about that, we are absolutely completely impartial to uh, anything that uh, is going to be going on there. Now, 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 I'll call, keep that up there for a second, Brandon. A lot of people don't know who that is. You, does anyone know who that is? Okay, uh, okay, all right. Yeah, some people said, I said, do you know who the coach of the New England Patriots is? And they say, huh, who, what? So for those of you that are in the non-know, um, I have a personal war going on with Bill Belichick, and so there we go. So uh, there it is on that one. How many of you guys are going to watch the game for the game? How many of you are going to watch the game for the commercials? Any of you just for that? Yeah. <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah. Um, now, what we're going to see is we're going to see hopefully a great game. Hopefully we're going to see um, commercials that are like a million dollars a second or something like that. Another thing you are going to hear as you watch the game are statistics. They have statistics coming out your ears. There are numbers of this and numbers of that. They talk about point spreads. They talk about yards per carry. They talk about yards per game. They talk about how much the defense allows on this kind of stuff. And they will simply become endless numbers of statistics and all of that. For instance, how many points come after a timeout? Or there'll be a conversation like this. Did you know, Joe, that a team whose running back had their shoe become untied in the first quarter has lost the last four Super Bowls? You know, and you just think, how do they know that kind of, kind, of, kind of stuff, you know? But there are numbers and numbers and more numbers. And there's a number I'd like us to keep in mind um, for the next couple minutes. And I'm going to invite you to write it on your little, your, your notes uh, thing. There's a little circle there. And that's the number 12 and a half. Would you write that number down? Because it's going to kind of come into play. And we're going to talk about that in, in, in a few more minutes, if you would. We're in a series that we are, are calling Facing My Future, and the reason we're calling it that is because we kicked it off in January, and January is kind of the whole time of the year when we say, I got the year ahead of me, I'm going to make some changes, or I wonder what the future holds, or I wonder what's next in my life or, or for my life. And so we look at new stuff personally. Now, also, we as a church family, we are facing kind of our future as well. I, I want to keep us always thinking about what's next here at, at Mariner's Church. And we are taking some new steps and some big steps to be able to say, how do we want to posture ourselves for continued, effective, impactful ministry here on the coastside? And we're calling it New Wave, and you'll be hearing more and more about that in, in the next few weeks. And so we're looking at the book of Joshua in the Bible because it is a great book on facing the future. Of all the books in the Bible, as I look at, one of the terrific ones is Joshua. Now, when you open your Bible and read Joshua, and I really encourage you to, to do that because you'll see the stories that we're looking at now, you'll realize, first of all, that it's towards the first part of the Bible in the Old Testament. Anything in the Old Testament is how God is revealing who he is, his power and his plan and his grace and his love through the nation of Israel. 
So it's all about the Israelites and how they are forming as a people. And in the book of Joshua, it's really how they're entering into the land that God has promised them or the place where they can now have all of God's promises fulfilled in their life. They've been wandering in the desert for 40 years. It's not because Moses didn't ask for directions, but it's because they were disobedient. And God said, you cannot enter then into the promised land until a new generation comes. And so they come in now, and they're on the verge of taking the land. And Moses hands the leadership to Joshua, and that's the title of the book. He's the guy in charge. And Joshua is how the Israelites took over the land that God had promised them. Now, if on a map, if you're doing a map thing, they were here, and then they crossed over now into here, and there you see Jericho's kind of right there um, in, in the whole middle of the stuff. They crossed over the Jordan as God parted the waters. And something's in the way if they're going to begin to take over the rest of the land of Canaan, and that is that little red lip that's called Jericho. Now, Jericho is a fortified military city, big walls, big people. And you really cannot enter into the land of Canaan or the promised land of Israel without going through Jericho. You have to do that. In fact, in World War I, when they were invading Israel that way or that land of Palestine back then, they had to go through that route. They actually took Joshua's route because militarily it's the, it's the most strategic way to get in. But you've got to get through Jericho first. And Jericho knew it, and that's why they had the big walls, and that's why they had the big people, and they had the big army. You don't get to the interior without taking out Jericho. Jericho's like the obstacle. It's that thing that's there, you know. It's that thing that's there, and it's always going to be there, and you really can't move forward until you get through the Jericho. Now, I want you to take that, and, and I want us to apply it maybe to your life. Maybe there's that thing that's there and it's always been there, or it just appeared there, and you realize, I really am not sure I can get on with my life until that thing goes away, or until I beat that thing, or conquer that thing, or God takes it away. Do any of you have that kind of a thing? You know, there's that thing that's just, it's that thing. You know, it's, it's this, that thing right there. And you wake up thinking about it, or you, 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 know, you go through your day, and you don't go without 20 minutes without it kind of coming back and... Uh, kind of tugging at your heart or jerking you around or something like that. It's a problem that's there, okay? Now, if they kind of try and, and circumvent it or skirt around Jericho without taking it out and they enter into the interior, guess what happens? Jericho's now behind them, but they're kind of their flank or their rear guard is what the rear end is open, by the way. And what happened is they can attack and get attacked from the backside, and it's like any problem, if you don't deal with it, it's going to come back and bite you in the behind, okay? And this is what's going to happen if they don't take out Jericho. You follow that? This is what's going on. Jericho's got to go. It, it, it just has to go. And when you read your Bible, chapter 6 is about Jericho. Joshua 6 is about Jericho falling, you know? And, and you may be familiar with the song. You may have sung it as a kid in Sunday school. You know, Joshua fit the battle of Jericho. Remember that? And the walls what? Came a-tumbling down. So we know the story. And the story, you know, they, they fought and the walls came. Now, well, Joshua actually didn't fight any battle of Jericho, but we'll see that as, as we go on. And this is where we're going to go. It says this. This is what the Bible says. It says, And the gates of Jericho were tightly shut. Now, cities back then, as I mentioned, had really big walls. You know, these huge walls that were there. And, and this is important. They had big, heavy gates. If you've ever seen the Lord of the Rings trilogy, you kind of get an idea of what's going on here. Big walls, big gates, things like that. And the gates were fortified and, and all of that. And the people would come inside under attack and they'd be able to be secure in these big walls. Well, the wall needs to fall. 
If you're going to take out Jericho, you need to make the wall go away. And Josh was a military guy, and he's, I'm sure, sitting with his military guys, and they've made some military guy strategy, okay? They've got a playbook down because they are trying to figure out how they're going to conquer this, this place. And it's going to be like this. You know, they roll out the thing, and it's like, okay, red leader, you know, you attack the northern gate, and then we can draw them out over here on this side. And you, gold leader, you come along from this side, and you cut them off here, and then we're going to have this group come in and, and cut them off at the flank. So they've got their battle strategy down. It says this, But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king, and all its strong warriors. And if I were Joshua, I would say, I like that. You know, God's given it to us. It's going to be an easy battle. And then God goes on. It says this, You and your fighting men should. And now we're going to hear God's strategy. And here it comes. Maybe its goal leader should go through the northern gate. God says this, you and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times with the priests blowing the horns. When you hear the priests give one long blast on the ram's horn, have all the people shout as loud as they can. Then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into the town. Now, now this this doesn't surprise us because we've heard the story. You know, we know the story. So it's like, oh, that's, okay, yeah, we, we know because I, I, I know the end of that. We know what's coming. Joshua didn't. And remember, he's a military guy and he's got his military guys around him. And while this is about God and is working on Israel, there's a part of us in this as well and some of the ways to work through problems in our lives. And, and I think the first part or the first, I guess, aha that comes to me, and if you're filling in the blanks, God's ways won't always make sense. God's ways will not always make sense to me because, honestly, this one doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Again, we know the end of the story, so it makes perfect sense now. But it doesn't make sense if you're, if you're one, of the, one of Joshua's guys. Um, zero sense. So, so I, I, you know, imagine in your mind Joshua going to his military leaders and his commanders, and they said, okay, well, what's, what's, what's the new plan, you know, because Joshua says there's a change of plans here. And he says, well, day one, day one, we're going to walk around the town. We're going to get our fighting men together, and we're going to walk around the town, you know, and then we're going to come back. And they say, whoa, that's a good idea, Joshua. You know, that way we can look for weak spots in the wall. You know, we can look for weak spots in the gate, and we can show them how strong we actually are. And then Joshua says, day two, we're going to walk around the wall. (laughs) And they're saying what? Didn't we do that on, on day one? And then day three, guys, we're going to walk around the wall. And day four, five, and six, we're going to walk um, around the wall. And then on day seven, we're going to walk around the wall seven times. And they're saying, that's it? Well, no, we're going to shout really loud. <laughs> you, you, you understand? It's not making sense to them. You know? And they say, that's it. And, and, and Joshua says, it's pretty much it. And the point is, and again, God's ways all, don't always make sense. And, and that's true because he's God and we're not. So I'm meeting with a couple um, about... There's an unwelcome person that kind of got in their life, you know, and they don't like him, and, 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 and it's a problem, and they want to know what to do about the person. 
Well, what makes sense? You know, what makes sense to do with somebody that you don't like or doesn't like you or is causing a problem to you? What makes sense? You, you isolate them. You, you put the boundaries up, you know. You do away, not do away with them, but you kind of get them. <laughs> you get them out of your life in some way. You just avoid them, you know. You have nothing to do with them. Well, in this case, what makes sense is not what to do. Jesus comes up with this. You've heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. I say, love your enemies. and Pray for those who persecute you. Love is active good towards them and to them. And you're thinking, that doesn't make any sense at all. The first thing we are to do when someone unlike us is the very thing I don't want to do. It's love them and forgive them and do active good in their life. And Jesus would come again and again and again with all these crazy statements to talk about love those that hate you and do good to those that, that, that persecute you. Do good. If you want more in life, then give more away. Give more away. If, if, if you really want to find your life, well, you've got to lose your life to God. Then you'll really find it. If you want to be great in this world, be a what? Does anyone know? Be a servant. That's how you become great. And if you have a lot of worries, then just give it all to God. Serve him first. You understand how God's ways are counterintuitive? They don't always make sense. And I think part of this whole Jericho story is to say, God, sometimes your ways are not going to make sense, but they're right. This is what the Bible says in Isaiah. It says this, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. My ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. God, God knows things we don't know. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, you know, so are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Second thing, shut up and do what God says. Okay? Shut up is a little harsh, but that's what God kind of tells them to do. Let me, let me, let me, if you want to change it to be quiet, you know, then put be quiet. That's okay. It says this, after Joshua spoke to the people, the seven priests with the ram's horns started marching around, <laughs> marching in the presence of the Lord, blowing the horns as they marched. And the ark of the Lord's covenant followed behind them. Some of the armed men marched on front of the priests with the horns, some behind the ark with the priests continually blowing the horns. You know, it's a racket. Do not shout. Do not even talk. There's the shut up part. Joshua commanded, not a single word from any of you until I tell you to shout, then shout. And so the ark of the Lord was carried around the town once that day. Everyone returned to spend their night in the camp. And, 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 and I love the imagery here. You know, if you can kind of place yourself back there, and I wish there was a camera and, and, and going on here. Imagine you're a soldier on the wall of Jericho. You know, you're, you're a soldier, and you're armed, and you know that the Israelites are there, two million people, and you know that they need to attack your city, and you're already on alert, and all of a sudden you see the dust beginning to come from, from, from you know, float up from where they're beginning to march from, and so what you do is you call out to your other, you know, soldier buddies, and you're all coming there, and, you, and you're now on high alert. You know, you're, you're there with your weapons and your spears and your bows and arrows and all that kind of, kind of stuff, and, 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 and here they come, you know, here they come, and they start marching, you know, around around the wall, and you're, you're standing there like this, you know, you're just, you're watching them, you know, and maybe you pick out one guy, and, you know, you do this kind of, kind of thing, you know, you do, you do that stupid thing that we do all the time. Anyway, they, you're, 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 you're doing that, and, and they go around the wall, and then they go back out to camp. And what do you do? 
You cheered, you know, yeah, you know, they, they can't beat our wall. You know, our wall is big and strong, and we freaked them out on this one. Day two, you see dust beginning to rise up, and, and here they come again, and you're again just as on the alert because maybe they've got some different kind of strategy, and they start marching around, you know, they're going around like this, and you pick out the same guy, and you do this stupid thing again, you know, and, and, and he, he go, he go, they go, go around, and they come back, they go back to their thing. And day three, they come and you think, you know, you don't have your sword, your, your sword up anymore. You think, these guys are nuts. Day four, you just watch. Day five, you bring a book, you know, because we're not going to do anything. Day six, you don't even bother to climb the wall. What's the point? Now, if you're an Israelite, now place yourself out there as an Israelite, you're pumped. You're ready to go. You know, you're ready to, to, to do this. And, 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 and you march, and, and, and as you're marching, you look up at the wall, and it's a big wall. And up there at the top of the wall, you see some soldiers, and you see some idiot doing this kind of thing, you know, at you. And you think, oh, brother, you know, who's this want to be? And, and you look back at him, and, 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 and you come back, and you go back to camp as per your instructions. Day two, you, you come in, and you're walking, and you're looking at these walls, these big walls. These big walls are here. And you expect to begin to see, because you, you know the walls should be falling down, you expect to see maybe there's going to be a crack here, you know, or there. But the walls are still there. Day three, day four, day five, not a crack is developed. Not a pebble has fallen. Not even a little trail of dust. Coming down. Day six, nothing. On the seventh day, the Israelites, the Bible says, got up at dawn and marched around the town as they had done before. This time, they went around the town seven times. It takes maybe an hour to go around the city. Okay, maybe an hour. Um, So they were on their feet for a while. Okay, one time, two times, three times. And after a while, you maybe start to lose count in the wall. After all those times, it looks exactly the same as it did the first time. Stones look exactly the same. And, and, and here's where I want us to kind of pull our life and our situation into this whole deal here. And our life problems can come into play because maybe you've got something going on and you've prayed about it and you've waited on it and you've asked God to do something about it so many times that you've what? You've lost count. I've been around this thing and around this thing and around and around and around the, this, this thing, and nothing's changed. So do the math. They've walked around one time a day for six days. That's six. And I'm supposed to walk around on the last day for seven times, and I'm losing count, and I'm getting discouraged, and things aren't changing. So I've just done my 12 laps now, six times around Jericho, and what? Nothing. And I want things done now, and God to fix my problems now. And I'm 12 and a half laps into this thing. And nothing's changed. And then I'm reminded that God says this. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us develop. What's that word? It's endurance. Endurance, according to God, is a good thing. Endurance is a terrific thing. Because what endurance does is, and it says this, endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope 
because we all want hope because you can't survive without hope. And this hope will not lead to disappointment for we know how dearly God loves us because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. If we don't have problems and trials, we don't get endurance. We don't get endurance. We don't get hope. We don't get hope. Then we really do not understand what God is doing and his grace and his mercy. This leads to the next one. That's watch God work in power and mercy. I mean, why did, why did God do it this way? You ever, you ever think of that one? I mean, why, why did God do it this way? You know, he could have vaporized the walls with a word. He's going to knock them down anyway. You know, they're just going to fall down. He could have done it on day one, zoom, you know, zoom. You know, they, they just all come down. And I think God wanted the people to see how big the walls really were. Day one, those are big walls. Day number two, they're still big walls. And day number three, they're really big walls. Day number four, lap number four, they're still big and nothing's happening. And I think the longer they walked, the more formidable the walls became. I think if the walls had fallen on lap one, they could have said, wow, look at us. And look what we did. I think became soon after like lap four, they're beginning to say, God, if these walls are going to fall down, it has to be by you, by you. And understand that's a great place to be when you're in your life. God, if this problem is going to go away, it's going to have to be by you. If I'm going to be able to manage this person, it's going to have to be by you. If I'm going to manage or forgive or love or reach out, it's going to have to be by you because I can't do it. It was to see God's power. Second one is to see God's mercy. Let's go back to our soldier on the wall, okay? Because he's important here. Um, he had what to think? He had time to think, didn't he? And he's sitting on the wall. He's got time to think. It takes a long time for 200,000 soldiers to walk around the wall. It takes a long time for, for, that, for that to happen. And he had time to think and to remember. And to remember this. These guys have a God who does pretty big stuff. I remember the stories about how they were able to conquer the kingdom of Egypt or exit the kingdom of Egypt. And their God parted the Red Sea and they walked across it. And their God helped them just obliterate their enemies. And, and just a few days ago, their God parted the Jordan River and they came across. And if he can part the Jordan my big wall that I'm trusting in so much may be a stupid wall. Maybe there's something to this God. You see, inside Jericho, faith stories were being built or had the opportunity to be built. And I think God squeezed every last ounce of time to get the Jericho people to say God is God. And for God to be able to put that question in their heart and their mind, which God are you going to choose? And this is the timing of God. We live in time, and in time we have opportunity to choose who we will follow. Because when the walls begin to fall in Jericho, the time to choose was over. And we can apply that one to our lives as well. 
And so they've gone around each day for six days, that's six times, and this last day they're going around seven times, seven plus six equals 13, and you're halfway through lap number 12, and you're on, what's our number again? Twelve and a half, we're on lap twelve and a half, twelve and a half laps, and you're tired and nothing's happened, and you've been facing this Jericho thing for a long time, and again and again and again, you've gone to God, and not one rock has fallen, not one little trail of dust have you seen come down the wall. Because nothing is going to happen until 13. Nothing's happened at 12 and a half, and it's not supposed to. Not a thing is going to happen until you've gone around 13 times. And God had them wait because of all kinds of hidden good that was going on. Do you know there were 200,000 soldiers who were probably marching around Jericho? Do you know how many faith stories God was developing? 200,000 outside the wall. 200,000 people were had to think through faith and trust and what their problems were in life and can I really put my trust in this God in life? And add another couple hundred thousand inside of Jericho, there were another couple hundred thousand faith stories that God was working on and developing. All individual, all unique, all different. Growth stuff, endurance stuff, mercy stuff, hidden good stuff. And so I just, I just want to tell you, whatever you're going through, you may be 12 and a half laps into this thing. You know that? You may be 12 and a half laps into this thing. Nothing happens at 12 and a half. Don't stop at 12 and a half ever. Push through in complete trust. Keep going. We don't know what lap we're on. It may be lap two, but God will give you the grace and the energy to make it past lap 12 and a half. The Bible says when the priests heard the sound of the ram's horns, they shouted as loud as they could. Suddenly the walls of Jericho collapsed and the Israelites charged straight into the town and captured it because they were ready. And God in his marvelous, different way did something incredible that we sing about. And I guess I simply want to say to you, don't, don't give up, don't, don't. Don't stop. Hang on to God and his promise that he will do what he's going to do. And he will do what he says. And I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up and I want to pray and I'm going to pray for you who are on lap maybe one or lap 12 or 12 and a half. Maybe it feels like lap 47, but God says, says, trust me. Would you bow with me, please? This is your time now with God. And maybe you know what your Jericho is. It's that thing that hadn't gone away. And you feel like you've been walking around the wall for 50, 60, 70 times. Not a change. God's power is perfected in our weakness. You know, like there were a couple hundred thousand faith stories going on. There's one going on now, and that's in your life. Can you trust him for that? Can you trust him and give him thanks for it? It's a huge step to do. God, you're doing something in my life. I don't know what, and I don't need to know what, but I just know that you are, and I trust you for it. Father, those 
that are here that every time they think about their Jericho, tears come in their eyes. I pray for them, their comfort, their strength in this time. Your Holy Spirit would move. You have said power is perfected in weakness. When we're weak, you're the strongest. And And Jesus, at a young age, you gave your life for us. Your life got cut short so that we could have eternal life. So, gosh, it's not hard for us then to say, I will give up my life for you on this end because of eternal life on the back end of this. Lord, let your power be worked out in us and me. Thanking you so much for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, we have people that pray for those of you that are maybe on lap one, you know, and you're saying, I can't do it. They're over there, and they'll be meeting you after the service. If you'd like to go over there, just go in inside. We do not take pictures of people that go in to get prayer, so don't worry. It's anonymous and all that. They're great people. And they'll just walk you through it or talk. Or maybe you need someone alongside you. We have a Stevens ministry. Stevens ministry are the people that just say, I'll be there for you during your time of, of need. And if you need any of that, go to the prayer room or write on your communication card, Stevens Ministry. And somebody will, will connect with you. Guys, thank you so much for coming. We're going to be passing around the buckets during the last song and throwing that little ballot there. God bless you guys. Have an incredible week. And uh, we will see you. We will see you soon.